This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I'm Jeremy Steele, and I am joined by two fantastic youth workers. Uh, so we're going to just go straight into it. Would you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us who you are and uh, where you are serving. We'll start with you, Mark. Hey, guys. I'm Mark Ball. I'm the Director of Youth Ministries at Auburn United Methodist in Auburn, Alabama. And Paula? Hey, Hey, everybody. I'm Paula Lopez, and I'm a director of Next Generation Ministries for the Virginia Conference. Fantastic. So here's our topic. It is really tragic and very unfortunate that we have had multiple mass shootings involving teenagers just this year. And whenever that happens, it seems like it's a huge thing on the news. It's talked about really everywhere I go, I feel like. And uh, and it's not just that, but whenever a, a significant tragedy occurs, it happens kind of, hopefully, it happens outside of your youth group. But it's everywhere. And really, our job is not to ignore the rest of the world, but to help students engage with it, process it spiritually and all that. So we're going to really talk specifically about school shootings, because that's what's kind of been front and center lately. But I, I want to kind of imagine this as a conversation that could apply to a lot of different tragedies. So uh, really, we just start at the beginning, you know, when that's what's on the news, where do you start with addressing that in your youth group? I think I think for me, I got to remember that remember my place. Um, a lot of these tragedies we're on the outside looking in. Although we feel like we are directly impacted by them, we're really not as much as our students are, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the school shooting aspect. I think we listen to their hurts and listen to their fears and give them support through it and help them kind of navigate the social side of, of what they're going through. Right. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing to realize is that they're still kind of learning how to engage socially. You know, like their brains are still developing that way. So. I think that's an important piece. Where do you where do you go in that discussion when you when you talk about navigating that socially? Yeah, I like to, I like to listen just like with any tragedy as far as losing a losing a family member or anything along those lines is listen to hurts their fears and give support as far as helping them process how they can respond. Right. Um, any tangible ways, any tangible things they can do, trying to help them see the the bumps in the road that may be coming along that we may be able to see as adults that have kind of walked through some of these roads before they may be heading into, you know, heads up on some of that stuff. And just let them know that we're there through the entire process. We're not just going to give them advice and quote unquote, tell them what to do and then watch them drown in it. Right. So Paula, what is it you're walking into the room that's been on everybody's mind does it change what you're going to do walking into that room um, a day or two uh, after that is all over the news or, or do you kind of stay the course on your normal kind of setup? I'd absolutely adjust. I think it's not just in youth ministry, but in ministry in general, all of us have gone into that, that church service or youth event where something really big happened on 
the news and you walk in and the whole service has been planned for, I don't know, two months and they're very organized and, but also tone deaf and un, unable to adapt to what's going on in the, in the moment. So I wouldn't upend everything to respond, but I certainly would try and make space, be it, you know, if, if walking into a particular youth event, uh, just make space to say, Hey, we're doing this and actually realize there's something going on and it's probably in your minds. And so how about we spend some time having a conversation around this and, you know, best, best plan in my mind is um, exactly what Mark is saying, which is to, to, to listen. Um, I don't think anything beats simply listening, particularly in the, in the very beginning. My, my tendency is to try and go political (laughs) and I want to, you know, I want to dissect it in terms of policy and what's wrong in the Mm -hmm. world and and all that. But that's the last thing folks need with the post shock. Right. Um, The first thing people need is just to be able to talk about it and, and get it out of their minds and their heads, their, 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 their hearts and, and out there in, in an environment where they feel like it's safe to do so, you know, and then do your talk and then do the worship or the games or whatever, but, but allow people to simply uh, talk. And then, and then to say, you know what, um, this week I'm making some extra time for folks that like to have some conversation around this more sort of on a one-on-one um, kind of deal and, uh, and, and plan that out. But absolutely figure out a way to, to uh, adapt and build that into whatever's going on in your ministry schedule wise. Right. Right. So quick question. Well, maybe it's not quick, but when you're doing that, like I, I think you're dead on, you know, you open up, you have some time to discuss some of these things can just go off the rails quick. Right. <laughs> like depending on what their parent was yelling about this at the TV the night before, like you never know what's going to come out of somebody's mouth. So how do you open up the floor for a kind of a discussion that, I mean, it could be, it could be heated. You never know, but how do you do that in a way that gives space for them to, to do that and yet doesn't make it turn into something negative? Well, I, I'd establish a boundary that, I mean, I'd, I'd establish that for myself to begin with, but then mm-hmm. for the students as well, just to say, hey, really like to have a conversation about really how you're feeling about this right now. Uh, this is not uh, what do you believe we should do? This is not uh, who's to blame for this. This is, you know, how does how does this make you feel right now? What's on your mind? And then then say, hey, if if you feel like you don't necessarily agree with how they're feeling, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. You can state yours, but this is not really a discussion. It's just we're just listening. Not right. You know, so it's not it's not the leader listening to the group, but everybody in the room listening to each other, period. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, think, go ahead. Not bad. I think I think Paul's right on the money at using that quote unquote I language. You know, how do I feel? And what can I do? How can I respond as a follower of Christ instead of telling others what they need to be doing or how we need to be changing policy or whatever? But how do I, in my context, and in my world, process and, and how do I feel and how do I respond? Yeah. So here's the question. That happens, right? You do a, the perfect job setting up the, the boundaries and the rules and all that. And, and the first thing John, the seventh grade boy, says is, well... I really feel like 
the president should be impeached. <laughs> and he is honest. He is clearly not being a jerk about this. How do you respond to that? That kind of guides them back, but doesn't kind of shame or humiliate the kid who didn't quite didn't quite get it, or just said the first thing that came to his mind from what he heard his parents say. I think I would ask him. You know, that's an option. Um, that is that is one possibility of what respond. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, Mark. Keep going. It is an option. But uh, why do you feel that way? And what do you think was solved by that solution happening? Okay. Um, you put some tangibles behind it versus emotion. Instead of being an emotion-led conversation, let's look at the tangibles as to what we can do. You know, one of the things I like to do in this conversation is I almost like to swap sides on them in the middle of the conversation. Or if they think uh, they know where I stand on it, I like to kind of play the devil's advocate for the other side. And so they, it makes them think from both sides of the, the perspective of the incident. Mm-hmm. What about you, Paulo? How do you steer them back towards the the safe r- rules yeah. that you you well, established? I, I, I would say, and and uh, uh, I think Mark's been on the money. I I wouldn't. One thing Mark said, I don't I don't think I would do personally is is at this point do the devil's advocate or try and have a discussion, and mm-hmm. that's just because I'm trying to establish to everybody else that this is not about a discussion. It's really just about how, how you're feeling now. Now, if we're completely honest, I, I've been in those rooms where I think everybody's feeling something about mm-hmm. whatever's going on. And the truth is oftentimes half the room doesn't even care. Right. And that's the reality right. of our world where for some kids, this might be like, this is hurting me personally. Mm-hmm. For others, it might be, so what? I was in Florida and I'm in Minnesota. I don't know. Right. And this doesn't really affect me. And should I be invested in helping kids become more compassionate in that way and, and actually aware of what's going on outside of their bubble? Absolutely. But when you're in the moment asking those questions, you may just risk having an answer just saying like, I, I didn't even realize that happened. <laughs> you know, right. that's what I'm aware of. And so I'd say bringing them back, I would thank the student for uh, for the response and just say, I'm curious as to how the shooting itself would have you think that way right? or feel that way. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or has it been something that you've just been thinking, generally speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just to bring back, we're actually talking about people died and not, you know, whether or not. I, I like the president, which part of me wants to say, yeah, man, that's, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> that's not what we're here for right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so you know, that's that initial thing. But some of these, uh, like, I mean, the school shootings thing, it happens over and over again. And so there's a sense in which at some point, your response has to move. Maybe not the day after it happens, but there's a point in which if it keeps happening or keeps coming up, especially in your group, because sometimes, like you said, Paulo, you've got a group of students that's really affected by it and really passionate about it. And it's been three, four or five weeks ago. They're still in the middle of it and and still talking about it. It, When that happens, what do you do from there? After you've had that initial debrief with them, what's, what's another step? I'll, I'll take a shot and just say, 
one of the things I've, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I don't I don't know that it's the most popular way to, to go about it. But what I would say is my personal preference as an adult that has three children and mm-hmm. I want a better world for them. My immediate concern is what can we do right now that would change some sort of policy that would keep a teenager from walking into a school with certain types of guns, right? So that's right. the pragmatic parent looking at the situation. Mm-hmm. But I think as youth workers, we have sort of this prime opportunity to take it to the next step. I fear we waste the opportunity to actually address what is going on with us as a people Mm -hmm. that walking into a school and shooting people is actually an option in one's mind. Right, right. What is it that is taking young people who otherwise oftentimes, and it's, it's not always the case because you know, there's the argument of mental illness, but oftentimes this is happening with young people who, while not completely in socially, also were not demonstrating that sort of reaction. Now, the story in Florida is different. There was a pattern going on with this particular student, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it's like, man, I can't, I can't believe Right. This kid was involved in this. And so addressing the underlying stuff, gun conversation is an important one. I think an even more important one is what's going on in your minds, you know, the kids, what's going on in your minds, what's going on in your relationships, what's going on that would even make this a possibility. That's a good next step to make it kind of exist a, a little bit outside of a particular incident. And I think for us, it's really key to maintain our role as pastors and really where we have the most effect on students is when we are addressing things sort of from a spiritual perspective. So that is a question I'd like to hear from you, Mark. Where do you go spiritually with these sorts of tragedies? What are the sort of theological, spiritual discussions that we can have with our students with unique relevancy when something like this is happening? The thing is, is like Paul was saying, is how do we get to the heart of our students? And mm-hmm. how do we get them to get to the hearts of their friends? Mm-hmm. Um, how can they show grace to those students who may they may be seeing posting things that they know are signs of things? How can they right. reach out to that student instead of drawing away from them? Mm-hmm. How do they reach out in a safe way? How do they let that student know they're loved and cared about in a safe way? Our tendency as human beings is we see things like that. We want to push them away and put them in a box as someone who is a threat or who is crazy. But how do we as Christians show them love and grace and um, acceptance. No, I, I think that's good. Paulo, what about you? Where, where's the theology side of this? Yeah, I, I think Mark's right on the money. I, I think I heard someone uh, talk about this a while ago about how we don't need more power, the same power that was in Christ through the Holy Spirit in Jesus's resurrection is in us. We don't need more power, but we need more compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in Jesus's ministry, compassion changed things. Yeah. And so basically just telling students, you know, there's, there, there is power in the relationships that you have. There is power in you. That's Holy Spirit power. However, do you have eyes to see those around you that Mm. are desperately in need of demonstrations of that power? And I don't I just don't think students outside of church 
are being trained with compassionate eyes to Mm. look around. The world is highly competitive, uh, highly individualistic. It's all about sort of who's in and who's out. And so giving folks even a desire to watch, to look and to say, where is compassion needed? Mm-hmm. And how can I be a voice of compassion, a presence of compassion? Who knows? It, you know, you can be pragmatic about it and say, well, you, know, you, you could avoid the next shooting, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. point is, if, if we all did this, then I just imagine the, the desperation and the lack of hope mm-hmm. in someone's spirit that they would make that sort of choice. Yeah. And the thought that any of our students or their friends in their schools might be going through that. Mm-hmm. It's just the sort of thing that if that doesn't bother us, then, then we have deeper issues. Yeah. And so, you know, just encouraging students to do that, to say, where is compassion needed around me? Who's on the verge of doing something? Who is uh, desperate enough that they're, you know, they're just looking for something and don't know quite how to go about it? And how do we recognize that and, and offer hope? Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop. The eyes of compassion. That's it's man, that is so powerful. And I think that's one of the things when I'm around youth workers talking about this stuff, I hear just what you said, that like the compassion for not only the victims, but the perpetrators and and how how can we be part of a solution? I hope uh, for those of you who are listening that this has helped you um, process this. I pray that we don't have another, but I know that this world is broken and fallen and it is very possible that it's going to happen again and so we want you to to have a place to start and that's what youth worker collective is about it's a we want you when you get online to work to not feel like you have to do it by yourself but that there's somebody who's got your back and so we've got that with games and ideas and coachings and devotions and lessons and and all of that all that is available at youthworkercollective.com and more podcasts like this one at youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. <laughs>